in his office feeling bad. Amen. But I know that the power of the Holy Ghost can come from here all the way back to the back. Hallelujah. And touch our pastor. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I know God's a healer because he's healed many, many times. I know God is a miracle worker. Oh, hallelujah. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited to know that we're on the threshold of the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful that I am a part of a glorious church. Hallelujah. Amen. That God is in control of everything. And if we'll just get out of the way and let Him be God, amen, we're going to see great things happen tonight. Amen. You can be seated for a minute. Pastor asked me, hallelujah, that he wants the church to go on a, a fast this week, and he's needing people to fast for Monday. How many people will fast for Monday? All right, you know who you are. On Tuesday. All right. Wednesday. Thursday. Friday getting weaker now Saturday and Sunday alright it's covered praise God I thank our pastor for allowing me the opportunity to stand up here again to minister the word of God and I'm going to tell you what this message has just nailed me to the cross completely. It was for me, and I hope somebody else tonight will get something out of it. When I tell you what it is, you're going to think I'm done, lost my mind. And that's probably a short trip. But I thank God for this church, for every brother and every sister, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love each and every one. I don't have anything against anybody. If you have anything against me, we have an altar. Amen. And I'll forgive you. But you have a right to be wrong, Pastor says. I, I, I learned a lot from him, and I guess that's good. Some could be bad. But I thank God for all these men up here, each and every one of them. And I just love this church, and I'm thankful for all of you. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn to the Proverbs, the sixth chapter. And I'm going to put on some helps tonight. Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 11. If you have it, say amen. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, gathereth her food in the harvest. And how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, when thou wilt arise out of thy sleep, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as the one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. Everybody say, 
In Jesus' name. You can be seated. Praise God. Give God a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Byron has already mentioned that Brother Graham this weekend has done a tremendous job, and it seems like, I don't know, it seems like every time I get to follow some great man of God. Now, you've been spoiled, so don't, don't hold it against me for all the good preaching you've heard. If I, I, I'm not going to probably meet their standard, but you know what? God's the same, hallelujah, yesterday, today, and forever, hallelujah. Amen. And, and I'm still preaching the Word of God. So, hey, man, just get with me. And I'm going to title this message tonight, To Be Like an Ant. Hmm. It's always reassuring to see how God can take even the smallest creatures of creation to teach us a lesson in His provision and our role in making provision for ourselves and working in the kingdom of God. And as we go about our daily lives, we often overlook some very powerful lessons that can be learned from God's creation. One such incident is found in the passage from the book of Proverbs. It would serve us well to examine the habits of the ant and see what we can learn from them. After all, the Word of God tells us to go to the ant. Go to the ant. It's about time you get where you're supposed to be. In other words, go check them out. See what they do and how they do it and learn because even though they may be among the smallest insects on the earth, they have learned to build colonies. They have learned to build cities. Amen. And you will under the earth and have survived since the creation by doing the things that just come natural to them by instinct. Have you ever seen a lazy ant? takes one. Have you ever seen it? And Brother Davis's daughter, oh my. They just don't stand around. They're always busy. They're always on the move. They empower your lawn everywhere. They show up to every picnic without an engraved invitation. They'll show up anyway. They'll show up anyway. They are most industrious creatures on the earth. Amen. And they're not lazy. They're always moving. Have you ever seen one laying around on the couch watching TV? I, re I think it was back in the 70s where they were always talking about the housewives laying around watching the soap operas. And then what is it? Eating bonbons? Is that what they call them? Who? Bonbons. They eat bonbons. But have you ever, can you imagine having an ant coming into your house and you're sitting there and you may be watching your favorite movie. I don't know what you're watching. Hopefully it's, it's okay. But have you ever considered that ant bringing in his, his, soul, his uh, recliner? Because the ant can carry over 100 times its weight. So can you imagine that ant bringing in the recliner and sitting in front of your TV, kick back reclining? I don't think it's going to happen because the ant, amen, is always on the move. It doesn't take time to watch TV. Ooh. 
I can remember back in the 80s, and I had one of these rebellious attitudes at that time. And I know that's hard to believe, brother. But I was so rebellious of what was going on that I took the time. Now, you're not going to believe this, but there's pictures around somewhere. That I sat in a beauty parlor with curlers in my hair, getting a perm, and I came out with a nice afro. And I went to the church the next service with that afro. You remember it? You had to be little. But I did that. Brother Graham hit it on the head when he preached what he preached, stay out of the woods. Me, with that rebellion, I was wandering too far out into the woods because everybody else was doing things and getting by. So I just figured, hey, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, think about it. If somebody's going to jump off a cliff, are you going to go along with them? Somebody's going to drive a car over the mountain, are you going to go with them? No, hey, when you get out in the woods, you better pray to God that you get back in the right direction, amen, because there's nothing out in this world worth turning back from when you have the truth, amen. When you've got the truth, you better not sell it. You better keep it, amen. You better go ahead, amen, and consider the end, because the end's always on the move. The end ain't just sitting there doing nothing and being nothing, but it's on the move. Oh, hallelujah. Hmm. They are constantly moving. And on one could find, how many Christians could we find that's just willing to be like an ant and shoulder? They're part of the much of the load, much carry a hundred other Christians. There are few. There are very few. But I know tonight there's a God. Hallelujah. Amen. Who can take, amen, that old stony heart out of you and put in a heart of flesh. Hallelujah. And make you change. Amen. You will not change unless you want to change. But I know a God who can. I know a God who can. I know a God, amen, that can bring life into a dead body. Mm. Hallelujah. One thing that we must realize is that God did not create us just to sit around and do nothing. We're created to work. We're created to build. We're created to grow and continually learn to work and build more. God set an example for us when He began the Bible in the Bible by saying that He worked and created all things and then He rested on the seventh day. Work and industrious work is very, amen, the very character and the nature of God, if you will. Most of us wake up in the morning and say, oh no, it's morning. What we should say, hey, is that thank you, God, for this another day to do your work. Or hey, we also might should say, thank you, God, for this is the day that the Lord hath made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. If we've got breath to breathe. We need to thank God for that very breath. If we can get out of the bed and walk around, hallelujah, we need to walk, amen, to the house of God and do God's will. If we're able to raise our hand, we ought to raise our hand and give God all the glory. I'm not talking part. I'm saying all the glory. Mm. 
Hallelujah. Work is a blessing. It's not a curse. After all, we could accomplish without putting forth some effort. We've got to put forth the effort. Every good thing in life requires work and effort. It can be said that most of us are known, amen, by our work. What kind of work do you do? Some of you may be secretaries, some accountants, some construction workers, some electricians, some students, some homemakers, some electronics technicians, computer repair people, programmers, and the list goes on and on. I've got men who work for me and they mow grass. They don't like to be called, amen, grass cutters. They come up with a technology that they're dust control engineers. Give them a title. They'll go ahead and work that much harder if they've got a big title. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a lot of people who don't know your name, but they can identify you by where you work and what you do. Work gives life meaning. You don't know. Amen. If you don't think that's true, then consider the statistics from the Social Security Administration. According to their studies, the average lifespan of people after retirement from their lifelong work is only 18 months. I have been retired for two years. I passed it. I'm semi-retired. I work nine months out of the year, and thank God for that. But I'm trying to stay busy so I don't fall over. Amen. But I know, amen, as long as I'm doing something, amen, for God, hallelujah, then God's going to prosper, hallelujah, and I don't have to worry because I know He'll take care of me. Oh, hey, can you say amen? Amen. amen. God, let's go ahead and give God a little bit of praise. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy of everything, hallelujah. Amen. He's worthy of it all. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why do they last only 18 months? I believe it's because that after they retire, life loses a lot of its zest. Most people don't have a reason to get out of bed in the morning after a few months of retirement. It's though that they can't wait to leave the work and just do nothing. I don't believe that God created man. Ha ha to retire and quit doing nothing. He expects us to be busy, just like the ant. There has to be something out there that takes the place of your work, some kind of hobby, whether it be golf, whether it be tennis, whether it be racquetball, amen, some social work, whatever it is, there's got to be something that fills in that spot of not doing anything. And it won't be long until, if you do just sit around and do nothing, it won't be long until your body's so out of shape that it'll begin to fail and to function as it should. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says this, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. That means that God expects us to work in every area of our lives just as though we are working for Him because we are working for Him. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Everything that we do reflects upon our Christian character. Amen. An ant does what he does because it's an ant and they 
are always moving. No one has to watch him to make sure he is doing his job. He doesn't have to punch a time clock like we do because why? His work never ends. He doesn't worry about how much he's being paid because he knows that all the other ants are doing their part too. Amen. And that the needs of the colony, they will be met. I only wish that Christians could have that much faith in their heavenly Father. Amen. That we are too busy. Amen. Chasing after the almighty dollar to give God the time and the energy that He deserves. Can you say amen? Amen. If your boss on the job has to watch over you all day, then there's something wrong with you. If all you do is complain about your low wages, your bad working conditions, and that I don't care attitude, then there's something wrong with you. Amen. That's a terrible, terrible witness of the love of God that is supposed to be in your heart. Amen. God expects integrity. Amen. We all love to work in the kingdom of God, and the work that we do for the Lord is extremely satisfying. Amen. It's exciting, and that should be the same attitude that we take with us. Amen. When we leave the house of God, we need to take that same kind of attitude to the workplace. Hallelujah. Why? Because the Bible says that we're known and read of all men. We're living epistles known and read of all men. Hallelujah. They know what you're supposed to stand for, and they know when you're not doing right. Amen. And they got that in their mind. Why do I want to be like you? Amen. Because, hey, you're going to end up going to the same place I do unless we both change. Looking back at the ant colony, we can easily see that it takes hard work, strict discipline on the part of every ant to see that the colony, it thrives. The worker ants go on, can't go on strike because they don't get paid more than the others. The queen, she don't quit her work because if she quits her work, the whole colony will die. Amen. Those that dig the channels, those that tend to the eggs in the nest who protect all the nests and have their tasks to do, and it takes all of them working together to get the job done. Another thing is that I've never seen a colony of ants sitting in a motivational seminar in an attempt to get them moving. Hear me. They're too busy to need motivation. And I don't see any ant standing along the trail every few inches with a prod in his hand, amen, making sure that the other ant keeps moving. Amen. I've been in the Boston business for over 38 years, and I've dealt with all kind of people, amen, in my 38 years. And I sometimes, I, I wonder when I come around, I see them standing here, and then when I come back an hour later, it seems like they're in the same spot. And I, I used to carry me a tape measure, and I, I sometimes would get that out of the dash, and I'd just go stand by, and then I'd lay it out to see if they'd moved. <laughs> Makes you wonder what their intentions are. Amen. Some people work harder to get out of work than if they just went ahead and done the job and got it over with. Good preaching. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Teamwork is a necessary part of our work. Amen. Teamwork has to be done. Now listen here. There are no unimportant people. 
No unimportant people. No big eyes, no little used in the kingdom of God. Even those who, who don't carry their load or do their part of the work, they're still important people too. Amen. And they, we would even be more important if you would just go ahead, take up your cross, and follow Him. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to make a point. Here I go. I'm going to come down here. Brother, you ready to carry 100 times your, your load? All right, then you walk with me. See, you thought you was going to have to carry me, didn't you? I tried. Now, the ant, it doesn't single out any other ant. Right? That's right. So, we human beings aren't like the ant. We have an opinion. That's right. You reckon that's why the Bible says consider the ant? Yes. Go to the ant, consider her ways? Yes. We look at some individual, look at him and say, man, he's never going to amount to a hill of beans. She's never going to amount to a hill of beans. She's nothing but double trouble. He's never going to amount to nothing because he ain't got no head. His head's fried. Then we may look at somebody and say, well, I could use a little bit of help, but their past isn't very good. I know where he came from. And all this time, when he was on the cross, we were on his mind. Brother Graham said it. Brother Robertson said it this morning. What past? God doesn't remember our past. So who are we to put on those robes of judgment and say, hey, you're not going to amount to anything. I can't use you because of your past. These young people, they make all kinds of mistakes. They're not like us older people who's been down the road a few miles. I told Brother Robertson the other day, I thought I'd made a mistake one time, but later found out I was wrong. She don't like me, but I still love her. <laughs> we all make mistakes. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if I can't love my brother who I have seen, how can I say that I love God whom I haven't seen? Because if I can't love my brother or my sister, then the Bible tells me that the love of God isn't in us. That's right. That's good preaching. Good preaching. 
You young people have moms or dads or both, thank God for that. If they're in the church, you need to thank God you're here. The Bible says to honor thy father and thy mother. Give honor to honor is due. Obey them that have the rule over you. Oh, man, it's good and quiet. And I know I'm on target now. But if you're one of those young people who tell your mom and your dad when they tell you something to shut up, you need to be knocked down on your hiney. You still got me? All right, I don't want no darts in my back. See, the back's the only thing that's not protected. I've got the rest of it covered. You need to thank God for a pastor who said this morning, that he's old-fashioned? Because I'm about as old-fashioned as you can get. I was brought up a whole lot stricter than most of you kids ever thought about being brought up. And my dad, I swear to goodness, that guy could move faster than any man i ever seen. And I thought I was quick when I was a teenager. I always didn't have this bubble. But he could take that belt off faster than anything I ever saw and be across my hind end before I knew what hit me. But yet we're in a world today that you are not supposed to whip your kids. You can't whip them or you'll go to jail. Thank God they're grown up. But you better thank God for people that will stand up here and preach you the Word of God and will preach you truth and teach you truth. Mm. Well, it feels good down here. A lot cooler. I feel some air. But the ant doesn't find any fault with the other ant. And we humans are so quick to find fault. But thank God looked way beyond my fault. He saw my need. Going back. My old pastor who's dead and gone now has told me something that has stuck with me for years. Old Brother Nelson. I heard him give a word of advice to someone one time. And he was telling him that he couldn't get his son to come to church, but yet his son lived in his house son was still wasn't old enough to be out on its own and the elder told this man if your house is on fire 
and your son was in there, would you rescue him or would you just let him burn? stuck with me for years I still haven't forgotten it and he said well sure I'd go in and get him well listen if you got teenagers and they want to stay home you better drag them here because you're trying to keep them out of a place called hell you're trying to keep them out of a fire and I don't think there's a day that goes by. I know there's not a day that goes by that I'm always praying. For all, everybody in this church, every brother, every sister, ministry, department heads, young people, older people, my children especially, their husbands and my grandchildren, because I do not want to give them to the world. I refuse to let the devil have them. And if we could just be like the ant and get along. There's a song that's been out for a while and it says, Why can't all God's children just get along? A lot of truth to that song. Why can't we? We need to kill the flesh. We need to kill all of the jealousy, all of the backbiting, all of the tailbearing, all the hatred. It needs to die if we're going to have revival. And that didn't cost you a dime, but take note of it. We can learn a lot from an ant if we'll just look close to their habits. People aren't like ants, and we don't live on an ant's instinct of survival like they do. But we, hallelujah, have the right and to think and to reason and to make changes in our lives. And if we're going to survive, we better give everything we know that we need to do and give it to Jesus. If we're going to survive, we've got to give it to him because we can't do it on our own. We can't do anything without Him. And the spare time we create, if it isn't used for something productive, it becomes a roadblock in our path to success because it makes us think that we can just sit down and do nothing but rest. How many of you know that the more rest you get, the more you need? The more you sleep, the more you need to sleep. And the less that you work, the less you want to work. The less you stay home from church, the easier it is to miss the second service and then the third service and then the fourth service and then before you know it, you're out there in the woods lost. Stay out of the woods. Beautiful. Beautiful. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? And thou wilt arise out of thy sleep yet a little sleep and a little slumber and the folding of the hands to sleep. Proverbs, the 20th chapter, the 13th verse says this, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thy eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. God calls those that love sleep sluggards. 
I think it's a pretty good description because it isn't more uh, sluggish time of the day than when we first open our eyes in the morning. There are six habits that identify a sluggard. Number one, they sleep too much. According to Proverbs 26:14, as the door turneth upon its hinges, so doeth the slothful upon his bed. Number two, they love to make excuses. Proverbs 22:13 says that the slothful man saith, "There is a lion without; I shall be slain in the streets." Number three, it says they have a know-it-all, unteachable attitude. According to Proverbs 26, 16, says that the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Number four, they are procrastinators. They always put everything off till the last minute, and they're always late for everything, even if they show up at all. They never any finish anything they start. Because they don't want to be a part of a team at all. They don't want to be like the ant. They don't want to do the teamwork. They just live from second to second, reacting to whatever comes instead of attempting to change the things before they happen. Number five, they are irritating to everyone around them, especially those who are busy. Busy people with a vision and a dream to chase don't have much patience or compassion for those who are not have the same vision. Proverbs 10:26 says, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. Don't expect a sluggard to get a job done. If you do, you're going to be disappointed. Their inactivity and their bad attitude will put a bitter taste in your mouth and make your eyes water with aggravation, and you will most likely have to do the job yourself Anyway, the final condition of a sluggard who is unwilling to change, according to Proverbs 19, verse 15, says that slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Proverbs 10 and 4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Proverbs 18, 9 says, He that is slothful in his work, a man is brother to him that is a great waster. That speaks of the fact that the lazy person eventually leads their own home into destruction. Music would come. I'm going to close with this thought. How many is willing tonight? Take off that robe of judgment. Get out of mirror and look in that mirror and see yourself and say, hey, I need to be more like that ant. God, I want all of what you have for me. I don't want to have any kind of bitterness in my heart. I don't want a kind of awe in my heart. I don't want any kind of hatred in my heart. And I'm willing to take off that robe of judgment. And I'm willing to look into that mirror and see who and where is 
And where does that problem lie? If you'll stand with me. How many's ready to make that commitment to God right now? That will be willing to come down to this altar and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I, I don't want to live like I'm living. I want all of that trash out of my heart. I want you, God, to put in a love like never before for all the ministry, for all of my brothers, all of my sisters. If you need the Holy Ghost, this altar is always open. But I'm just wondering how many tonight will consider the end and be willing to come down here and take up your cross and follow Jesus. Oh, yeah, we got to be careful when we say, God, I want to be more like you. Because you don't really know what you're asking God. God may put you through all kinds of things. But who else is there to be like? Is hell worth going to, friend? I don't think so. And if you haven't felt God in a long time, you need to come down here. Amen, and get your renewal. You need to be full. You need to make sure that you know that you're ready should God come at any time. Get rid of all of it. For you don't need to carry it. Let God take it. I'm going to lay this microphone down and I'm going to turn it over. Singers, go ahead and sing. Love each and every one, and I just want everybody to be saved. When God's will, because God's will is always perfect. If you can find somebody to pray with, pray for somebody. Show them your love. Tell them you love them. Hug somebody's neck, and God bless you.